This is Josh Courier, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. This is Zach Courier, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Hans Driver. Snyder with scores! Now it's Padel scores! Hands off for Rabel, switches hands and scores! Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! And there is a goal for Josh Courier. There's a stop attempt, scores! Zach Courier! Welcome to Season 2 of the Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, and together we're bringing you interviews from all your favorite players and coaches, as well as news and analysis from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. We have another edition of Bros and the Pros, as we are joined by brothers Josh Courier and Zach Courier. Josh is a forward with the Philadelphia Wings, and recently joined the Archers Lacrosse Club in the PLL. Zach is a member of the Calgary Roughnecks are still the defending champions and was recently drafted number one in the PLL entry draft by the Water Dogs. Josh and Zach, thank you for joining us. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you? Doing well. Happy to have you guys on. Uh, We're excited, you know, talk a little bit about the NLL, uh, your time playing together with uh, Peterborough Lakers as well, and then this upcoming PLL championship series. But before we get started, I kind of want to dive into you guys growing up in Peterborough, huge hotbed for lacrosse, obviously. Uh, When did you guys first pick up a stick and start playing lacrosse? Uh, Zach, what are the ages? Zach always knows was, the ages. I was eight, you were nine. Yeah. We played soccer up until then, and uh, we grabbed lacrosse that year, and it was uh, all over from there. Did yeah. you guys play on a lot of the same teams, or were you uh, more we, going we, against each other? We play together every other year, because the way it works in Canada, you have, like, one age group is split in two. You have the minor and then the major. Mm-hmm. So one year, you're the younger age, and the next year, you're the older age, so we'd play together every other year. I noticed too, you guys went headed to different high schools. How did that, that come about? Um, I don't exactly know why that happened. Uh, Zach had a lot better grades and he had high aspirations. He actually was talking about going to Princeton in like grade nine, like really early. on. And if he wanted to get to Princeton, that was kind of the route he needed to take. So he was kind of looking into it a lot, a lot more than I was. I kind of graduated still didn't really know what I was going to do and I just got lucky enough that the Hill Academy was new to their PG program and looking for players so uh, um, it was actually Merrick Thompson came to one of my games in the summertime when I had no plans for my following year and he came to me and said that what they were doing there at the Hill Academy so that's how I ended up there. And then going off of that Zach you went to the Culver Military Institute how was it your time there and how did that really shape you and prepare you for Princeton? I had a great time there. Um, one of my friends uh, from Peterborough, Kyle Trolley, he'd gone the year before. So mm-hmm. I had, I kind of got really lucky with that. He went the year before and then and brought me along with him. And um, I had a great time. It's, it's a military school. A lot of people meet me and they're like, I cannot believe you went to a military school. <laughs> um, so it was, it was interesting at first, but I, I was able to adapt and, and kind of take away a lot of skills from that school. Um, the biggest one for me was the time management aspect. And then Coach Bosner there is a, obviously a super successful coach. Mm-hmm. He's uh, moved on to Lawrenceville now, but um, I was very fortunate to have him as a coach for my three years there and, and as a mentor and, and a recruiter because I didn't know what the heck I was doing with the recruiting process. And mm-hmm. he kind of told me where to go, what camps to go to, who to talk to. And uh, he really got me to Princeton. So I'm, I'm super thankful that that he was there for me and uh, I had a great time. Still some of my best friends um, are from Culver and I keep in touch with them obviously a lot more than, than I would have um, if I didn't go to Culver. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I made a lot of great friendships there. And he still makes his bed every day. Uh, that's great. There's a book, I think, make your bed, right? That uh, <laughs> former officer Navy SEAL, I think wrote um, it's kind of like, you know, good way to start your day. So Makes sense. Keep, keep with the tradition, right? Um, but let's talk a little bit about uh, your, your college days, right? Uh, Zach, you, you said, it sounded like you wanted to go to Princeton for, for a long time. Uh, and Josh, you ended up at Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, let's start with Josh. How did you end up at, at Wesleyan? Um, <clears throat> so I didn't have the best grades growing, going through high school, so I kind of limited myself with options. But then going to the Hill Academy, that opened up a lot more for me. And then uh, I was actually fortunate enough that um, it was actually Coach Riley, who was our assistant coach. He was there for eight years, actually. 
which is pretty long for assistant coach yeah. at D3. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I was talking to him a lot and Coach Stewart, and I was just lucky enough that they took a risk on me and kind of persuaded the admissions to get me in there and mm-hmm. kind of convinced them that I was going to pick up my act once I got to college, which I did. And I have, uh, I have them to thank for that. But uh, they took the risk on me. I went down there for a visit, and uh, I saw the beach, and that's all I needed to see. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I think we mentioned off pod, but we played you guys. I went to a smaller school in Pennsylvania, Elizabethtown. Uh, and we not only got smacked by you, but you had, a, at the time, a career high in goals against us with six uh, against. My, uh, my coach in the scouting report was just, just kept saying, there's a Canadian, just don't let him past you, and you got past our slow defense every single time. So you only got two. I was a goalie. You, you got two across. Uh, you beat me twice, but, uh, uh, yeah, that was your – I, I on, how many, on how many shots? How many saves did you make, Adam? Do you know how many saves? I don't know. I, had, I did not have a good game. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. My sister actually plays at Virginia Wesleyan, plays soccer right now. So fellow Marlin, and like you said, the beach down there is awesome. So I, I envy that. Um, it was probably a great college experience to be able to go to the beach living so close there. Um, yeah, unbelievable how close you are. Like, it's, it's close enough where you can go in between classes. You're like – less than a 10 minute drive from the bay oceanfront's a little bit further maybe 15 20 minutes to the oceanfront but we would go to uh chesapeake bay or chicks uh chicks beach mm-hmm. and uh, and we, that's where we spent most of our time when we weren't playing lacrosse or studies that's awesome and zach you were a little bit more landlocked being in new jersey but you went to princeton where you had a phenomenal career there you ended up finishing uh second all-time in ground balls with 302 and then fourth all-time in points scored by a midfielder um, we already kind of talked about your decision to go there, but how was your career there? And um, how do you think you kind of developed your skill set that helped you going into the pros while at Princeton? Um, I was taught my freshman year indirectly to be as hungry as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came out of high school. I was a, I was a pretty high recruit and I thought I was going to play right away. Um, I got into college. I was not ready to play at that level in my in the fall, and then I got um, I had a I had a few injuries like right leading up into the season, and uh, it put me back a bit. So I struggled struggled to get like a decent amount of playing time my freshman year, mm-hmm. and then I came back my sophomore year with uh, with a vengeance, and mm-hmm. uh, I needed to be on the field. And then um, it, so that first year really taught me that um, you need to want it more than anyone else um so I thought that was that was something I learned and then throughout the process like you got to take matters into your own hand um regardless of what it is um Mm -hmm. I tried to help our team out wherever it was like my my sophomore year I started out the the season on the first line midfield um didn't take a single face off in the first couple games and then um we we struggled at the x a little bit and gradually throughout the year I took more face-offs, and then by the Ivy League tournament, we're going up against Yale and Cornell, who had two really great face-off men, um, mm-hmm. Massimilian and Connor Mackey. Um, they're really successful, and my coach came to me and was like, "You're you're going to be a Fogo for the for this tournament, and you're going to play the last shift of the second quarter and and the last shift of the game. So just be prepared for that." So. Um, then I learned that obviously lacrosse is a team sport, so got to help out where you can. And I was taking a lot of face-offs at the end of that year. And, and those are some lessons that, that I kind of brought with me throughout the rest of my career. And I I ended up being pretty successful. No, definitely. You know, you, you had a great career at Princeton. And like you said, you kind of developed that skill set that you're kind of known for being, you know, almost like a Swiss army knife. We talk about all the time, how, you know, the two-way midfielder is so important now, especially in the pro game. Um, and you really developed that skill set. Um, so I guess let's kind of talk about the NLL a little bit. I mean, Josh, going off of you, you spent two seasons with the Nighthawks for joining the Wings for the past two years. Um, and then Zach, you were with the Roughnecks. Like I mentioned earlier, you won the national or you won the NLL championship last season, and still defending champs right now because of the cut short season. But um, we'll start with you, Josh. Kind of how did you make that jump to the pros? Um, and kind of how have your, has your green kind of progressed? since being on the Nighthawks, your rookie season, to now being on the wings? Um, I had a pretty smooth transition, I think, mainly because Mike Hazen and Paul Day were coaching me in Peterborough in the MSL. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they drafted me to Rochester, so I knew two of the coaches right off the bat, which helped a ton. And then, uh, actually, 
a big player in my uh, transition was Dan Dawson. He kind of took me under his wing. He helped me out a lot and helped me feel comfortable and gave me the confidence I needed. And I had uh, Corey Vitarelli, who I was sharing drives with. He, he helped me out a lot too and gave me a lot of confidence. So I have those two to thank for the transition to the NLL and um, just playing with those players on that, on that offense we had in Rochester, just uh, it would help me so much to grow as a player. And uh, I have, uh, I have a lot to thank the Rochester Nighthawks for because of that. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And then how's it been being on the wings, uh, you know, kind of the reincarnated, incarnated wings uh, is your second season. Um, you guys really started to come into your own. You know, you had a rough first season as the wings, but um, it seemed like you guys were starting to click this past year before the season was cut short. Um, how did you guys come together and how did you see the team progress during that time? Well, our, our first year, we our record didn't show it, but uh, we learned a lot and uh, we actually had a good team that we lost a lot of close games. It was actually unbelievable how many games we lost in the fourth quarter. So mm-hmm. the attitude was really good on that team and everyone had a positive mindset always, which was huge to be on a team that loses that many games and actually still be excited to go down to Philadelphia every weekend and see the mm-hmm. guy was so it was kind of a unique experience because if you're losing that many games it's kind of tough to be excited to go mm-hmm. down and hang out with the team and just do it again for another weekend but that, that team was awesome and we still are we have the core group there and we so we built a lot on that first season and I think it showed this year where we kind of came into our own and went in a lot more games and it was sad to see it get cut short but uh that team I think is something special and I think we're going places with that squad. What do you uh, think of the the Philly faithful, the fans? I'm from Delco, so I'm I'm right down the road. So what what do you think of of that crowd? And Zach, you could answer that one too, I guess, as a uh, (laughs) Yeah, they're unbelievable. They're, they're amazing. They, uh, they, uh, they let you know when you're not doing well, but uh, (laughs) we appreciate that. And uh, they really, uh, they really have your back always, but uh, when you're doing well, you're always hearing from them and uh, it's, it's crazy. You see them out after games that you have thousands of them waiting to see you and just take a picture and get an autograph. And it's, it's crazy. The fans there are unbelievable. They're truly the best in the game. That's I think great, I yeah. I'd argue that though. I'd argue that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's start that argument, I guess, a little bit. Uh, Zach, you're, you're with the Roughnecks. Talk about uh, that championship run last year and, and what that culminated and what that meant to you. That was uh pretty insane run looking back at it um I'm going to say it started probably with our win over or over Georgia we had Jesse King back in our lineup for the first time um, against his former squad and he's just an awesome awesome guy to fit into our puzzle at the time he the ball stayed in Dobie's stick most of the time rightfully so the MVP but Mm -hmm no no better number two guy to have than Jesse King so that was huge for us to get him back at that time and we played Georgia we we went at home and then we we have Sass coming in the next weekend and we had another great game we went again and then um, we're going into playoffs we're seated third and we go up or we fly down to San Diego it was on a Monday I think it was it was a it was a funky game really close game um, I think it might have been maybe two goal lead at the most by any team. And then we win by a goal. Um, I go back to go back to Michigan at the time. I'm watching the Colorado and SAS game in uh, my friend's garage. And I, I saw Joey Capito score that uh, breakaway overtime winner. And as soon as that happened, I was like, we're going to win this thing. Like there's, there's no way we don't win this thing. Like SAS could kind of get kind of in our Achilles heel mm-hmm. on my first year. We beat him in the regular season, didn't have to face him again, come back into Calgary. Uh, Del Bianco plays the game of his life. We win 8-4. Head into Buffalo. Their fans are just as crazy as Philly's fans. Um, They don't like us. Uh, We go down there. Another close game. Uh, I think we win by two. And then we come back home. And just to go off the, the point that we were talking about earlier, about the fans, we call timeout and overtime. Um, I, I think I, I had picked up a loose ball. I was going to get hit back into the crease. I throw it in the corner. We pick it up, and it's frantic. We call a timeout. We couldn't hear our coaches talking. <laughs> the, ground, the floor was literally shaking, like shaking. You're standing there, and it was shaking because of how loud it was. And uh, then we win it, and, like, 
even to this year, like our fans set up a Zoom call to, re- to watch that game. And they had a couple of our players on it, which was really cool. Um, just so the dedication that our fans have, and I'm sure it's, it's around the rest of the league. Every player is going to say they have the best fans, but uh, I, I do think we have the best fans in Calgary. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's a little bit different than Fiona. I think maybe just the environment being in the, in the box, you know, in an arena, it can get so much louder, but there's so many great venues. I mean, the Saddle Dome is one that people mention. Obviously, Adam's partial to the Wells Fargo Center. Um, but, you know, you hear about the Loud House out in Denver. You hear about, I mean, Halifax had a great, great venue apparently this year too. So I think it's a testament to the NLL. And, you know, we mentioned Banditland as well of the venues and the fans that come out in droves to kind of see you guys play. So it's interesting to hear about all the different places because it's not, you know, we tend to think of at least in America, the field lacrosse game kind of, you know, being just East coast. But if you look at the NLL, I mean, all these cities are across the map. Um, you know, both Canada and America um, in terms of the fan bases. So it's kind of exciting to to hear about, you know, it, it's a good thing to have the discussions and debates, which fans are the best, I think. And then going off of that, so you guys play each other. Uh, the the Wings got the best of the Roughnecks this past, past year. Uh, that was a close game. Talk a little bit about your guys' competitiveness. Do you treat these games any differently uh, when you go up against each other? Or is it just another, you know, game? for you guys, you know, just typical business for you guys. I'm going to take that one because I will definitely get the worst end of the stick if I mess up. <laughs> Josh, if Josh messes up on offense, I get the ball and I give it to our offensive players and they go down and do something. But <laughs> if I mess up, there's a goal and I'm sitting there and Josh is celebrating. So um, definitely hyper aware of where he is on the floor and what he's doing um, just because I feel like we talk about lacrosse enough and then we've seen each other play that, I'd have a, a better book on Josh than any player on our team would. So um, I do like, I do like the competitiveness, but it's also nervous and, and I don't want to be on the end of a highlight reel of Josh <laughs> busting me off and scoring a goal. Speaking of that, <clears throat> our first game we ever, it was Zach's first NLO game ever was actually in Rochester. We spanked them. But anyway, in the first quarter of the game, I come around the top of the floor and he, he, I think he lets me beat him because he goes for a trail check and he pops the ball out of my stick perfectly where it goes up in the air. One of his defenders catches it before it even bounces, I think, and, and he's gone for a breakaway. And I'm like, oh, no. And I'm chasing him down on the breakaway. <laughs> Zach's going to get the first NLL goal off a, off a cause turnover, stripping me of the ball. But, like, thank goodness he missed that shot. Because <laughs> I heard, that, heard the end of that one. But Who's more competitive of you two? Right now. Who's more competitive? It's hard to say. Zach's definitely more emotional. <laughs> I think I, uh, I, I uh, control my emotions a little bit better. If you ask someone else, they'd probably say Zach, but that's just, I think he, he shows it a little more. We both, we grew up in the same house. We, mm-hmm. we, grew, we played on the same teams. We have a very similar competitive spirit. Every backyard lacrosse game was the game seven of the Stanley Cup when we were kids, <laughs> both hockey players and and we did not, we did not let up at all. So um, I, I'd say it's a tie for sure. Lots of yeah. bloody fingers and uh, and freakouts in the house to mom. That's awesome. That sounds like my. I have three younger brothers, and there's a big age gap between me and them. But I see it even with them. You know, I I luckily can be. I'm very competitive myself, but I can luckily be level headed since I'm you know an adult, and they're you know it's still teenagers or in uh, middle school, but. The freakouts, man. It's just you know, it's just the brother thing that comes with the territory. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, let's kind of yeah. go off of playing against each other to playing with each other in major series with Peterborough. Uh, you guys were lucky enough to win Man Cup in seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen. What was it like winning uh, that cup? Well, I can all center out eighteen specifically because that sure. was kind of. Uh, we're not finished with our lacrosse career whatsoever, but almost the culmination of our sure. lacrosse live growing up where we were, Zach and I, going to Lakers games together, um, pretending to be Scott Evans, John Grant, John mm-hmm. Deveris, Sean Evans, pretending to be those players in the backyard our whole lives and then going to win a Man Cup in Peterborough mm-hmm. together and being able to take a picture of the Man Cup, both holding it together was kind mm-hmm. of a crazy experience that we will never forget and uh we have the pictures to hang up on our wall every house we ever live in and something we'll always cherish so i think specifically that year was uh kind of awesome for 
not only us, but our whole family, because that's kind of what we've all dreamed of and watched the, the teams before us do. And just to be a part of it finally was, was an awesome experience. Don't get me wrong. 17 and 19 were sweet, but <laughs> yeah. 18 when we go to the, we, we win the, the cup and then our family comes down to the floor and it's all of our friends who obviously wouldn't be out in BC mm -hmm. um, at our game. So just to be able to share it with, with the city of Peterborough that we grew up in was a super special thing. That's awesome that you guys get to, to do that. And unfortunately the season's not happening this summer, but you know, we look forward to seeing you guys suit up together again. Um, but let's go a little bit into your five championships, Zach. I, you know, would be remiss not to mention those. I know we just had Max Adler, your former teammate, write an article on that. Um, that the interesting thing about that story is you won five championships in 407 days, but it started with losing, uh, you know, in that 2018 World Games. Um, how much did that kind of light a fire on you, under you, to kind of go out and you know prove other people wrong and you know kind of get that first title under your belt and then. How did you just keep going, you know, one after the other? Well, it's it's definitely still burning. Um, mm -hmm. I was at uh, I was at my my friend's house. Uh, Bobby Snyder and Jeff Snyder had had a birthday party for Bobby's girlfriend Amy, and obviously Team Canada comes up, and then mm -hmm. I get all flustered, and and I have to explain to the people who are like, "What do you mean? What what happened in Israel?" And I got to explain to them the situation, and then I get all worked up. <laughs> I start shaking if I talk about it, um, but it's definitely still fuels fuels me today. Um, I feel that the outcome could have been different with different circumstances, but hmm. obviously that's someone's opinion, and I don't have the gold medal um, the U.S. does. So at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So um, it it did fuel me and does fuel me today. Um, I feel like I, I still have a lot to prove and, and I don't think I'll really get a chance to, to be okay with that until 2022 when we get to face off against them again. Um, so that was a tough one mm -hmm. that hurt and, um, it did, it did put a lot of anger into my body for a long time and <laughs> I'm still going in there. So, um, yeah, definitely good motivating factor to kind of put everything else aside and focus on the game and focus on trying to win as, as much as I can. Yeah, no. And tell me a little bit too about the rigorous schedule that you were doing, because not only were you winning these championships, but you were traveling back and forth between per Peterborough and wherever you're playing in the MLL. And then you were, I think living in Michigan at the time, correct or whatever, where you're working. So like talk about your schedule and how are you able to manage all that um, and still, you know, perform at a high level? I had no personal life for a long time. Um, I didn't get to really see many of my friends during the process, but it was it was definitely um, a lot. So the the process, the way it would work is I'd go Monday, Monday I'd go to work till four o'clock, and then I'd obviously go to the gym or whatever. Do that up until Thursday. Thursday at lunch, I would leave the warp city because I was a product development or product development engineer there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then I'd hop in the car, drive five hours to uh, Peterborough, have dinner at spaghetti factory or spaghetti house across the road, and then head over to the arena, play my game. Um, probably win cause we're with the Lakers <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, go and hang out with my family for, for about an hour up in, in the bar in Peterborough. And then I would hop in the car again on Friday, drive to the airport, fly to either Denver or Chesapeake or wherever you're playing, practice that night. And then I'd play the game on Saturday, um, maybe have a beer or two after the game and then head home Sunday. And I would, I would have to fly out of Toronto so I'd have to fly back to Toronto and then drive to Michigan another three and a half hours. Some nights I was getting home at, at like two in the morning and then I'm up at seven going to work again. And then with the requirements of playing six games, sometimes I had to mix in a Tuesday night Six Nations game where I'm leaving work at three o'clock and I get to the arena and play my game and I'm getting home at two in the morning, three in the morning, and then going back to work on Wednesday and then MLL game that weekend. It was, it was pretty crazy. 
no, it's nuts. I'm tired just listening to it. <laughs> no, but that, that's awesome that you were able to still like do it all. And I think that's a testament too about that. You know, people don't really see the lifestyle that you guys as lacrosse players have to go through because a lot of you do still have, you know, full-time jobs and a lot of you are playing in different leagues that um, sometimes overlap. So I think it's a you know testament to your discipline and the uh, ability to, to do that. Um, talk a little bit too about this, you know, Denver Outlaws team because you were with them for a little while. I know you're making the switch to the PLL, but Talk a little bit, too, about winning that championship in 2018 um, and then, you know, back to, you know, losing it in 2019, a heartbreaker. How, you know, is that like a little fire under you still, too? I know you talk about, um, you know, that a little bit, too. So, yeah, I, I was talking to um, my girlfriend about it last week when I was visiting with her, but I was, I was saying how much I, I don't really enjoy winning as much as I hate to lose. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate losing. I'm sure a lot of people are in that same boat, but. I take so much satisfaction in not losing that I forget that I won half the time. Um, so losing in 2019 was, was definitely a heartbreaker and, and especially that it was in Denver and could have been in front of the fans. So that's, mm. that was a tough one. Um, but in 2018, we had a great squad. Um, a lot of team guys on that team, obviously Max Adler's one that pops to my mind. He took a lot of time to put a lot of time and effort to put into that article and and get that submitted because he felt like I should get some recognition. So that just shows you the kind of guy that he is. And uh, a lot of our team was like that. We have Mikey Schlosser, one of the best team guys you'll ever have. And then it doesn't hurt having John Grant Jr. behind the bench too um, in 2018. And then he suits up with you in 2019. And then me and him are are playing catch for real. And uh, me and Josh were pretending to be John Grant Jr. in the backyard 12 years beforehand. So um, it was a really cool experience being able to to be on the Denver Outlaws team. And uh, um, unfortunately, it's come to an end. And mm-hmm. I've decided to move on to the PLL. And I'm, I'm super thrilled to be a part of the Water Dogs and, and have a lot of former teammates there. And I can't wait for the next chapter. But I did have a great experience in Denver, one of the best organizations I've been a part of. And I have nothing bad to say about Denver Outlaws. No, it's awesome. I know, you know, we titled that that piece that Max wrote, uh, The Next Dance, because we feel like, you know, the whole Michael J- Jordan, you know, situation we were talking about trying to ride that. But, you know, you really are focused on your next championship. It's almost like goes in hand in hand with you, how you hate losing. It's, you know, you just are focused on that next one. So we're excited to see what you guys do in the PLL Championship Series. Um, and, you know, going off of that, you both are going to be playing in that championship series. Like Zach, you mentioned you're joining the Water Dogs. Josh, you're making the return to the field game, first time as a professional uh, with the Archers. Um, other than playing against each other again, what are you most looking forward to in this PLL championship series? I'm really looking forward to getting back on the field. It's been four years now. I had the, some of the best years of my life playing field lacrosse at Virginia Wesleyan. So I'm super excited to get back on the field and, play field again and uh just to be playing with the best field lacrosse players in the world is just the uh, icing on the cake right there and the the skill that we have on the archers is unbelievable and I think that I can fit into that O pretty good and uh just like the players on that O is just crazy so I'm super excited to play with them and uh to see what we can do in this PLL championship yeah, I think Joe Keegan was mentioning how you're you're the replacement for Ben McIntosh to fit in and, and do those pick and rolls, uh, that two-man offense that the Archers loves to do. Um, so I think he's excited to see see you suit up with them as well. And how about you, uh, Zach? How have you, like, your conversations been with Coach Andy Copeland um, and some of the guys on this team? Because you guys are all coming, coming in, you know, first time playing together. How have you guys kind of started to build that chemistry before you even step on the field together? Yeah, Andy Copeland has been uh, been great for for me personally and for our team as well. Calls me if there's anything I want to talk about. We bounce ideas off each other. We'll, we'll chalk talk and game plan, and he'll ask me about some Canadian guys he might not know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we share a lot of ideas together. So um, he's a player's coach for sure, and everyone that I've talked to that's had him as a, as a coach before um, has nothing but great things to say about him. So I'm super pumped to get going there. And I think part of the chemistry is kind of coach just coming to us and saying, what do you think about this? Or like, how do you want to run this scenario? And then we'll kind of be like, well, I did this in college. I like this. I didn't like this. And then he'll take everyone's ideas and come in and mash it up. And, and then it, you get, everyone gets a little piece of what they, 
what they did best in college or what they liked the most. So um, that part's been nice. And then we'll have Zoom calls uh, Thursday nights to kind of go over um, riding, clearing. And I think the next one's uh, half field offense and half field defense. So um, just kind of talk and shop about all that stuff. Awesome. That's great. You won't have to fly as much since it's uh, all, you'll be in one spot for a little while, right, Dad? <laughs> yeah, no flights. <laughs> um, so uh, before we get into our five and five, I wanted to talk a little bit about Top Draft Lacrosse. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing, mentoring young athletes and kind of through the recruiting process and player development. Yeah, so we were fortunate enough to have Shane reach out to us. He uh, he already had Top Draft Hockey running. He was very successful with it. And uh, I think he's a lacrosse player at heart. He might have been mm -hmm. more successful with hockey, but he, he loves lacrosse and he wanted to get top draft lacrosse going. So he, he reached out and we got a, a really good crew on board with Eric Schul, who plays with me in the, on the wings. And then we got Rob Hope, who was captain of the Lakers and assistant captain of the Colorado Mammoths. We have a super, super good crew there, but our main objective is to help young athletes fulfill the goals again to the NCAA mm -hmm. with uh we think with all the the division one two and three there's so many different options and there's a spot for pretty much every lacrosse player out there and we just want to help some of these Canadian kids or even American kids but specifically Canadian kids that don't have the exposure the American kids have where we can uh kind of use our connections down to the coaches in the states and help them out with skill development. We're going to watch their film and scout their film and give them insight. We're going to be there for them and their families with any questions they have about recruiting, the whole recruiting process in general, because we've been through it. And uh, yeah, we're super excited. We're already, we're, we hit the ground running, that's for sure. And uh, I think we have a awesome part, an awesome uh, leader with Shane and, and uh, we're super excited to keep rolling with that. And it's definitely something that we wish was around when we were kids. Mm -hmm. uh, I was super lucky in that all the pieces fell exactly in the right spot. And I ended up at Princeton. Um, but I don't know if I, if I go back and, and I'm in Peterborough again, I don't know if, if the cards fall in the same place with, without the super lucky bounces. So we're kind of taking into our own hands and saying, this is what you need to do this. We know this person, we know that person, you got to work on this part of your game and basically just bridge the gap between between Canada and American schools because everyone in the States is looking at us saying, Oh my goodness, you guys play box lacrosse. Your skills are, are so much different than ours. And, mm -hmm. and they kind of fit into their offense or, or their defense if it's defensemen. So we're just trying to bridge the gap and, and get players to the next level and be able to share the same experiences that we experienced because lacrosse is a great sport and it opened up a lot of doors for us. No, it's awesome that you guys are doing that kind of giving back to the future generations. And if you got if there's young listeners listening to this, it's topdraftlacrosse.com. They can go to, you can find more information on that. Um, no, we appreciate you guys sharing a little bit about that. We'll take a quick break here, a word from our sponsor, and then we'll go into our five and five segment. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today, I also want to talk to you about Design Tree. On our Design Tree store, we have several t-shirt designs like the Pro Lacrosse Talk tee I'm wearing today, our Blast Lacrosse shirt, Cross's Medicine shirt, and many more designs on the way. Design Tree is also home to hundreds of other t-shirt designs in the realm of sports and pop culture. To help support the podcast, please consider checking out our Design Tree store at dsgntree.com backslash pro-lacrosse-talk and grab a shirt today. All right, so welcome back. Let's go into our five and five segment. Uh, for this one, I'll take the lacrosse questions and we'll take the life questions. Um, so right off the bat, I'll start. What are some pregame superstitions or routines that you guys have? Um, <clears throat> I love doing yoga at home during the weeks and I kind of give myself a little go out on the floor without my shoes on. I do a little, well, first off, I get to the arena and I tape my stick, make sure I tape my stick before I go on the floor. Then I get on the floor, do my little half yoga routine on the floor, get stretched out go back inside, 
grab my stick and uh, get a little shoot around. But I always get to the arena, get my stick taped up, get on the floor, get get loose, and then uh, that's what I start from there. I kind of from there, I kind of freelance, do whatever I feel like doing. But those two are uh, set in stone. My first two things when I get to the arena. Awesome. How about you, Zach? Um, if it's a Calgary game, I'm heading down to the basement of the Fairmont and grabbing a Starbucks coffee mm-hmm. and then, uh, getting in the shuttle and, and heading over to the arena. But, um, I, I, I try to keep it loose before the game. The only real routine that I have is, is, uh, it's, I keep my helmet, my gloves and my stick outside of the locker room, um, before the game and in between periods something that happened in, in Peterborough, there was like a little bench on the side of uh, like outside of our room and, and the lockers were really tight. So we'd put our helmet and gloves on there, a couple of us, just so that when we go back into the room in between periods that we have a little more space and I just, I kept doing it. So I don't have too many, but I keep my helmet gloves and my stick outside of the room um, after first warm up and in between all the, the periods or quarters or whatever you want to call them. Awesome. And then going off of that a little bit, do you guys have any top songs on your game day playlist or workout playlist? Oh, I'll be the first to admit it that I'm the worst with the music. I <laughs> listen to it nonstop, but I'm straight on Spotify, click a random playlist and I'm listening to it. So I leave that up to everyone else to choose my music for me. So that's all I got with that one. But um, during like the quarantine, Josh and I have been doing a lot of workouts together and we just put on the tragically hip on shuffle and then, we'll bang out a workout and get pumped up along the way. So um, I'd probably say it's the hit for both of us. Yep. <clears throat> and then going off of that too, what, what have kind of been your workouts been in quarantine? How have you guys kind of stayed in shape, not only, you know, preparing for the PLL championship series, but also, you know, when the NLL was still on hiatus, what were you guys doing to kind of stay in shape? Um, I was kind of set up for it to start, uh, coincidentally, just, I moved out, I moved a little bit out of town, kind of far from the gym. So I already had an air bike here at the house, a little dumbbell set, some bands, a bench. So I kind of was set up, but I'd say the, the huge factor for us during the quarantine was, uh, evolution. What's the Andrew English? Yeah. What's his company? Evolution fit. fit. Yeah. Andrew English from evolution fit. He, uh, he started sending us workouts, uh, four days a week, bodyweight workouts and just like absolutely insane workouts that um I haven't done that kind of workout because it was like CrossFit workouts but body weight and um my endurance actually is way better now than it's been since I don't know if I've had better endurance than I than I have right now and I have him and Evolution Fit to thank for that so he's been he's been huge for uh keeping us in shape while we can't get to the gyms. It's awesome. So you guys will be ready for that sprint. That's going to be the championship series. Yeah. I don't know if any players will be better at playing more games in a short period of time than, than the Canadians in the summer ball league. Cause we're used to it. No, absolutely. I know it's it, it, you guys, again, we went over your schedule earlier. It's just insane. Um, going off of that, uh, what has been your current stick setup in terms of shaft head and stringing? What are you guys rocking these days? Um, I will, since, I got to the NL. It's been the command with the Under Armour command. Uh, um, I think it's the C96. I rely on my my buddy Griffin. He's a high school lacrosse player, and he kind of tells me what exactly I'm using with the names and everything. But uh, it's the it's the black one that flexes. If I told him, he'll tell me the name of it. I think it's the C96 shaft and the and the command head. But uh, I think for the for the um, PLL championship that's going to get changed up and mm-hmm. I've got a couple different options that I'm trying to work out right now so I'm going to figure that out soon gotcha and uh my my current setup I've got two sticks going right now um I have a defensive stick that I just use from from box from Calgary which is a lot heavier and a lot beefier and it's it's meant to do some damage on some yeah, people on the cross check <laughs> and uh not not break on me but then um the the new stick i just strung it up actually last night i got home from calgary last night and uh i i strung up my stick in bed at i think it was 10 o'clock and then woke up this morning had to get a screwdriver tape it all up and put it on a stick but i'm rocking an evo qx shaft um it's so insanely light uh it's got great grip on it 
Um, I helped, I helped develop this, this product at warrior and, uh, the head that I'm using, I don't even know if I'm allowed to tell you the name of it, but it's Nevo. Um, and it's got, uh, also some prototype mesh that I'm not even allowed to tell you about. So, um, I'm using a lacrosse stick. A little teaser there. So you can't tell any more details, but at least people have the sense of what it could be to come from warrior coming up. So that's cool. Um, and then my final one for the lacrosse ones uh, is what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? I know you guys, it can be box, uh, field. You've probably played at so many that it's you know hard to pick just one, but what are some of the, your favorite venues to play at? It's a pretty easy question for, I think, both of us. Yeah. But the Peterborough Memorial Center, um, the fans in Peterborough are unbelievable. They pack that arena, and it's you – know, no matter what game it is, regular season, playoff, man cup game, you're always excited to play at the Mem Center in Peterborough. So hands down, the Mem Center. I think you have 3,500 fans, uh, max capacity. And if, if we've got a game against Six Nations, you know that thing is full. And you got a bunch of people sneaking in the back door too. <laughs> That's um, awesome. it, it is Peterborough, so you got a couple scammers there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely the Peterborough Memorial Center. And, and there are some of the most knowledgeable fans in the game. Like a lot of these people have been watching the Peterborough Lakers for 20 years back when, when they weren't very good. Mm -hmm. And if we're playing bad, like we, we will hear it from the mm -hmm. fans If we're playing well, we'll all, we'll also hear it. So uh, we have very loyal and knowledgeable fans and it's a great place to play. That's awesome. That wraps up the lacrosse questions. Uh, Adam's got some off the field questions for you guys too. Uh, number one, I know this one might be crazy since you guys are so busy, but what are some hobbies or activities you like and, uh, to do when you're not on the field or box? Um, I'd say it's almost become an addiction now to, uh, to go fishing. Okay. So taking over my, all of my free time. My girlfriend will can attest to that and <laughs> I don't think she loves it, but, um, yeah, since I moved out to, uh, I moved out of town a little bit, I've got more access to, uh, to the river and to go fishing and I've become kind of obsessed with it. So fishing and yoga are pretty much my two that I, that I get to do on my free time. Um, I try to golf, not very good at it. <laughs> good answer. Um, and then other than that, I'll, I'll play some pickup hockey. If, if I have the opportunity, um, golf, I'll go fishing with him for half the amount of time that he wants to go out and I'll drag him back to shore. Drop them off and go back out for more. Um, yeah. Do you guys go out on a canoe or are you like more fishing from the land or? I got a little fishing boat out here. So we have, uh, it's nice that it's right here on the river that I can get onto it nice and easy and, and go out. So I'm kind of fortunate that I'm able to get out on the river as easily as I am. I, don't, I think it'd be a lot different because of how busy we are that I am able to get home from work and get on the river in five minutes. So that helps big time. That's awesome. You know, my, uh, my future father-in-law is a big fisherman. He goes out in the ocean on the Jersey shore, but he's like that too. It's like, he's just, whenever he has any free time, he's going, getting on the boat or whatever. So I, I I'm kind of more like Zach. I like fishing, but you know, I, I don't want to be out there all day, all the time. So yeah, I got yeah. like an hour and a half, two hour time limit and then I'm good. There you go. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he's catching lots of fish he's still done. He's <laughs> out there and we're, we're getting skunked and he's, and he's done. We're out there catching fish consistently. He's like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Uh, all right. Number two, who's a non-lacrosse athlete uh, that you think would excel if they played lacrosse? Could be a, a current pro, former pro. Um, well, there's, it's, you got to pick an NHL player, I'd say. And uh, um, just the person that comes off the top of my head is the, is uh, the Richies from Orangeville. We played against them growing up. And uh, they were, if they weren't in the NHL, they'd be in the NLL right now. They were unbelievable lacrosse players. So uh, I think there's plenty more NHL players. I, uh, Brandon Montour played on uh, Six Nations, played against him our whole lives. So um, Sean Monaghan on the, on the, uh, the Flames. So yeah, they're hockey players for sure. There's a few of them. I'd, I'd say John Tavares, the, the nephew of the John. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, but I think he was the, the leader, the leading scorer of Junior A for a couple of years. Um, so I feel like that's the no-brainer. It might be a cop-out answer because he is kind of a lacrosse athlete, but um, that's who I'm picking. There we go. I yeah. feel like every, every Canadian we've had, 
that we asked that question to usually went with an NHLer. Like we had, uh, we had Dallas Elliott on last week, and he went with Dom Hasek. He stayed in the goalie realm. So <laughs> it makes sense too, though. It's it's kind of funny when we ask this question because you know that up in Canada you guys play hockey and box lacrosse. That's kind of what your mo is. So it's more of an obvious answer, I feel like. Whereas uh, us Americans, I, you know, it's you know, the hockey, hockey is popular, but it's still nothing compared to Canada. You know, I wish I would have played. I, I lived in Michigan for a little bit, but um, I never ended up getting on the skates. And that's unfortunately, if you, if you can't skate, you can't play hockey. So um, lacrosse was a, another good option, but that's funny. Yeah. All right. Uh, number three, favorite spot to vacation. Um, well, I always say it to my girlfriend because she wants to go on vacations, but <laughs> little village we call is, is the Trent River. It's called the Village of Trent River, and they call it, and it's on the little slogan on the sign that says, Vacation Land of the Trent. Okay. So I, I'd say we're on vacation every weekend here. <laughs> That's awesome. Our house here, but uh, other than that, uh, Virginia Beach, I get down there for alumni weekend. I consider that a vacation of mine. So if I get down to Virginia Beach, I'm definitely a happy camper. That's awesome. I'm going down to the Outer Banks, actually. So not Virginia, a little farther than uh, Virginia Beach, but um, yeah, I, I love Virginia. North Carolina beaches are really nice. Yeah, we did our uh, grad trip in Outer Banks. So yeah. I think there was 12 of us, 12 of our graduates, a few bunch of lacrosse guys and a couple of our close, close friends from school. We went to the Outer Banks for, I think, five or six days after we graduated. It's, a, it's an awesome place there, too. It's fun. Time, yeah. What about you, Zach? Um, other than going to visit my girlfriend in Calgary, uh, my favorite vacation spot would probably be the Chesapeake Bay at uh, my good friend Bear Altimus's house. Um, I don't know the the city that it, that it's in or the town or whatever, but um, it's in Maryland, uh, a little south of Annapolis, maybe an hour away from there. But they have an awesome spot right on the bay. We'll go out there and and go uh, go crabbing on the trot line and. We'll go out and catch some stripers and then uh, cook them up and, and have a great meal and, and just hang out. And Mr. Ultimus has uh, a keg in the fridge and he's got the little dispenser on it where you can go fill up your, your drink. So um, I don't think he can beat that spot. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky to get down there when I can. When I can. Jeez. <laughs> good. That's awesome. It's a good spot. Um, number four, speaking of meals, what's your favorite meal and do you prefer to take out or cook at home? Um, since moving out here, I think I keep saying that, but we're kind of far from restaurants. And so we cook a lot of meals at home, but our, our treat night is uh, sushi. We'll go and pick sushi up. Well, right now we'll pick sushi up, bring it home. We usually stay in town, but during COVID, we bring it up, pick it up and bring it home. So Sushi be number one, and we have a, a favorite Indian spot in town as well. That, that would probably be our number two. I'm going with the cop-out answer and saying sushi as well. Um, <laughs> the, the salmon nigiris at the Medoys, the spot in Peterborough, I, I could probably eat 50 of those. So um, I'm going with sushi as well. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny to get people's answers too. I mean, it doesn't sound like yours changes too much, but a lot of people too that like to dine out, um, can't really now. So it's a, always an interesting answer that we get. Uh, all right. Last one. Uh, what's a book you'd recommend, uh, to a friend and we're adding a, like a part B to that one since everyone's been quarantined for so long. A lot of people have been binging stuff. So what's, uh, what, what's your movie or, or show you've been watching during quarantine? I'll take a pass on the first question <laughs> and I will say, um, what was the, show we really got into there uh with the the nazi hunters hunters on amazon prime yeah it's good that show pretty good and uh so that'd be a recommendation is hunters on amazon prime and i'm not much of a reader either but i have read a couple couple good ones um i'd say either the hunger Games series was was a really good one or unbroken um the story about louis zamperini yeah that's a good one yeah so, those are two that I'd say are at the top of my list. And then for shows, I started watching New Girl. It's pretty hilarious. I, I like New Girl. And uh, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, you got to watch that too. New Girl is me and my fiance's go-to whenever we can't decide on anything because they're so short episodes and they're so funny. I, 
I can't pick a favorite character on that show. They're just all hilarious. <laughs> Schmidt, for sure. You like Schmidt? Maybe. I, see, someday they like Schmidt, but Winston, man, gets me all the time. And then Coach is also really, really funny. It's an awesome show. I agree. Yeah. Um, well, that wraps up our five and five. Uh, the last question we like to end on, we ask all our guests, is what is some advice that you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? As cliche as it is, I'm going to say keep your grades up and uh, do well in school because just having good grades keeps all of your options open no matter what school. If you got the best grades possible, you have no limitations of what school you can get into. So keep those grades up, and then you're going to be able to get into whatever school that wants you, if you whatever school you want to go to. So I think that's a, that's a huge factor in becoming successful with lacrosse. And then I'm kind of going to build on that and say be a student of the game. Um, when we were younger, we were fortunate to be surrounded by so many lacrosse greats. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you get a, a better spot than Peterborough to do that. And the ability that we had to kind of watch these guys play and, and watch what they're doing with their stick and why they're doing it and uh, bring that back to the backyard and, and try it out ourselves and be like, oh, that makes sense. And then it kind of comes second nature during a game when you've already kind of messed around the backyard and if that that opportunity does pop up to, to throw a behind the back shot or to, to do a shovel pass to one of your teammates. You've already done it. You've already kind of worked on it in the backyard. And uh, it's, it's thanks to us watching like John Grant Jr. and Tracy Kolesky and Sean Evans and all these guys growing up. Um, and it becomes second nature to us. So be a student of the game. And, and whenever you have the opportunity to soak up some knowledge, make sure you, you remember it and, and go back and try it out in the backyard yourself. No, that's great. I think that's some great advice for our young listeners. And I, I love what you guys are doing too with Top Draft Lacrosse. I think it's, it's great to kind of give back and kind of train the next generation. And uh, we appreciate you guys coming on the podcast to talk about your careers and excited to watch you guys this summer. Thanks for having us on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, I also want to talk to you about Phoenix Supplements. I started using Phoenix Supplements after searching for a supplement brand that didn't use any unnecessary additives. Phoenix's line of supplements use only the required ingredients and is free of any fillers that many supplement companies use. Not only that, but their supplements are produced here in the U.S. in an FDA-regulated facility, and the best part is they taste really good. I personally like using the Orange Dreamsicle Protein Blend in the morning, and I use their Chocolate Whey following workouts. So if you're interested in trying Phoenix Supplements, visit their website, fnxfit.com and use the code PROLACROSS to receive 15% off your order today.